electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the meme stock trades changing the game for legacy brands. Insight from digital strategists at one of the world's biggest advertising firms, Publicis Sapiens CEO Nigel Vaz. Digital transformations is they're kind of like a little bit like an iceberg. You know, what the customer sees is important, but what you have to do underneath that organization to kind of prop up the bit that's above the surface is critical. And not safe for work, the clothing ad campaign without a lot of clothes. Suit supplies saucy strategy for your post-pandemic closet. CEO Foka Dijon. Instead of sending out a message of we're all in this together and it's uh, it's all going to end, etc. Finally sending out a message of the new normal and what it's going to look at least connecting to that energy. Those stories, plus a year into the pandemic, we're waiting for more stimulus, more plane travel, and a better way to treat COVID-19 patients. It's interesting, the comparisons with HIV there and hepatitis C, we've seen that combination therapy has really been what's conquered those diseases. That could be the key here as well. It's Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The CDC out with some new guidelines, chief among them, some good news. Vaccinated people can now congregate together indoors without masks, but even one year into the pandemic and with 18 percent of people in the U.S. with at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. So that's the good news. The CDC still recommending people avoid unnecessary air travel. Airline industry groups pushing back on that in a statement, Airlines for America insisting being on board of a plane poses a low risk of coronavirus infection because of heavily filtered air and federally mandated mask wearing. So uh, a little bit of good news for those uh, who've gotten uh, the vaccine and uh, something for the rest of us to aspire to. Joe? It's not just being on the plane. In fact, that might even be the secondary motive. They just don't want it trailing state to state. Once you when you go right. somewhere else, you go. You know, you're out, you go on a vacation for a reason to go out and go places. So it's just, I think yeah. it's a general sort of a, I don't know if they're definitely saying you're more likely in the air, in the air on a plane to get it, or they're just saying, just, you know, don't go out and do as many things and don't go see your, your grandparents. I think that's sort of part of it. Booking, holding CEO, warning travelers, make your reservations now before prices go up. Okay, we'll see. Speaking, it's inevitable, but uh, maybe talking... Booking holdings, talking the book a little. Speaking of CBC yesterday, Glenn Fogel points out that most airlines have dropped cancellation fees. Book now. And the great thing is so much of today's inventory is cancelable. So you go to booking.com and you're looking, you know, do something in the summer, get the booking now. And if you want to cancel, you cancel and it's free. I mean, the juxtaposition of what you just read, Joe, I think sums up <laughs> just about everything. I feel You've bad got, for it. I mean, know, think about that. The CDC actually saying... You know, an entire industry, they're like, what? You know, we're relaxing things, but do not fly. And they're like, (laughs) we've been waiting. But uh, yeah. Yeah. What's Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett has the great line. Don't don't ask your barber if you need a haircut. 
So, so the CEO of Fox News is telling you to well, go, go book a trip. Remember every person right. we've ever had on that's in the real estate industry, every person we've ever had on, we've talked about that in the past, that in real estate, oh, my God, yeah, it's the greatest time to buy great or time. sell. Great market. Great time to buy. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a really good time to buy, but it's even a better time to sell. Uh, I've noticed right now with, with uh, most of my people in anyway. The House plans to pass that $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill this week, and the president is expected to sign it before programs expire this Sunday, programs that this bill would extend. Elon Moy joins us right now. She's got more on that front. Good morning, Elon. Good morning, Becky. Well, the timing of the final vote on the COVID relief package is still up in the air. The House had intended to vote today, but I'm told that the chamber is still waiting on paperwork from the Senate. The official schedule says only that consideration of the bill is possible and the timing for when the last votes today might occur is literally still a question mark. Now, Democrats are up against the clock for two reasons. First, they want the bill signed into law this week so that there's no lapse in unemployment benefits. They also want to make sure that the stimulus checks get out the door as quickly as possible. Two weeks, approximately two weeks, these checks will arrive. Not months, not years, not wait for your tax returns back next January, right away. Now, the Treasury Department is responsible for overseeing that process. The White House says Secretary Janet Yellen is focused like a laser on the checks. But the administration is wary of setting a specific target at this stage. The last round of checks got delayed because many of them were deposited into the wrong bank accounts. So the White House has only promised that a large number of people will have checks in hand by the end of the month. Guys. Elon, what happened to the checks that went into the wrong people's accounts? They thought they had the money and then they said, oops, never mind, and took it back? Yeah, what happened was that people who used a tax filing service, like, say, a TurboTax or something like that, there were sort of uh, pass-through bank accounts that they had used in previous years in order to receive their refunds. The IRS had that on file, and they accidentally sent the money to those accounts instead of the bank accounts that they're currently using as their day-to-day checking account. Um, so that's one of the sort of dangers of moving too fast in this process. And as you were just mentioning around the issue of making some of the unemployment benefits tax-free, this is going to be an incredibly complicated process for the IRS. Um, that's also why some lawmakers have been calling on the IRS to extend the tax filing deadline. Currently, the Treasury Department and the IRS are not uh, looking to do that, but that is something that is gaining a lot of traction on Capitol Hill. And, and then the importance of this getting signed this week, if those programs that this is meant to exp- extend, some of those unemployment benefits, if that program expires and this doesn't get signed this week, how difficult is it to restart that? Is it as easy as flipping a switch or are we talking about something that will then take weeks to kind of wind its way to, to get it restarted? Yeah, I think it depends on how long the benefits would lapse for. I think that if there is, uh, it's likely to just be a couple of days if that is the case. But for uh, the people who are waiting for those checks and want to make sure that uh, they get that extra $300 a week, that could be a very big deal. Elon, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Focus uh, may be on COVID vaccines, but antivirals are also showing a lot of promise. Meg Terrell has more on what could potentially be a new tool to fight the virus. Hey, Meg. Hey, Joe. Well, the progress we've made on medicines over the last year for this pandemic has been pretty remarkable. As you mentioned, of course, we have vaccines in the prevention setting, three now authorized in the U.S. In the early disease setting, we have those monoclonal antibodies from Regeneron and Eli Lilly, although it's 
kind of tough to get those sometimes we've been hearing. And then, of course, in the later stages of disease, when patients are hospitalized, we have drugs from Gilead, Eli Lilly, and dexamethasone. But researchers are saying antiviral drugs could really make a big difference. We talked with Matthew Hall, a researcher at NIH, about what they can do that maybe other drugs like antibodies can't. Here's what he said. Small molecules, A, you can take as a pill and can be absorbed. That's not true for antibodies. They always have to be injected. B, they can get inside cells. So they can get to a target, no matter where it is in the body, prevent that that viral replication and really shorten, hopefully, the period of infection and, and decrease the symptoms and prevent things like hospitalizations. And there are a few of these in clinical trials already. The most advanced is from Merck. It licensed this drug Molnupiravir from Ridgeback. And we are expecting those late stage trial results perhaps by the end of this month. That's a pill you take for five days and see if it can prevent hospitalizations. There's also another similar drug from Atia, which is partnered with Roche. Uh, that's in phase two. Uh, and Pfizer is working on some of these as well and has an oral antiviral that is expected to start phase one soon. Guys, we talked with Dr. Fauci about this, who told us in an interview they have high hopes and they are working on this problem at NIAID. Here's what he said. It took years to develop a combination of antiretroviral drugs to really totally transform the lives of persons living with HIV. And we did the same thing. A lot of input from pharmaceutical companies that did the same thing with hepatitis C. Right now, we are putting a major effort in getting such a program going. Hopefully, we'll get lucky and get a hit right on. So guys, the hope, of course, is that if you get a positive test, your doctor could prescribe you one of these things. You take a pill for five days and it helps you, but it's taken a little longer to get there. Joe? Yeah, that would be, that, that would be great. I wonder what they're focusing on. Uh, they just, the, the, what, what part of the, uh, you know, of, of the viral life they're trying to disrupt. I just wonder, it, it probably doesn't, may not be the spike protein in this case, probably something totally different. I, I, it's hard for me to figure the HIV stuff, too, that, that's such a complex mode, the, the life of, of HIV, the way, it, uh, the way it's able to go into your genome. and in high, you know, the, the, the way that works, this seems a lot different. So I wonder, do you know what they're trying to disrupt in terms of the, the viral machinery? Yeah, so the first two we talked about from Merck and from Atia are polymerase inhibitors, and then Pfizer is working on protease inhibitors, so both going inside the cell and disrupting that machinery that allows the viruses uh, to copy themselves. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, the comparisons with HIV there and hepatitis C, we've seen that combination therapy has really been yeah. what's conquered those diseases. And so Matthew Hall, who we were talking about from NIH, was saying that could be the key here as well. Once we identify a number of these drugs, watching these companies work together and put these drugs together could really make a big difference. I think one of the cocktails in the HIV is a protease inhibitor, too. And, I, I, you know, it's been so long, I can't remember the... There's three modes, I think, that all work together for that cocktail, uh, I think, right? Do you remember? It's I know so that protease inhibitors and polymerase inhibitors are among them. I'd have to check yeah. my notes for the rest. All right, great. All right, Meg, good uh, Godspeed on all this stuff, hopefully, and thanks for bringing that to us and <laughs> uh, bringing it to us on the one-year anniversary of the WHO declaring the pandemic. 
Next on Squawk Pod, meme stocks, yeah, GameStop, legacy brands, and what's next in the digital revolution. We'll hear from the CEO of Publicis Sapient. My sense is now if a business can actually start to figure out how to, you know, focus on the experience, really bring some engineering capability, get new products and services out there, use data to constantly iterate on the business, there is no reason why a Disney who many people have written off can't rival a Netflix. Back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. GameStop. Uh, we're going to talk about that actually right now. We're watching the shares, though, not only of GameStop, but Discovery. Discovery is what you were talking about, I think, Becky. Discovery and yes. AMC Networks, uh, which are finding themselves to be it? the latest darlings. If you're... Yeah, I guess it's a darling. Uh, they're doing something with it of Reddit investors. Of, of the Reddit investors. Yes, I mean that's what shocked me. They, Reddit they investors shorted? are not just looking at. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure why they got attracted to this company, but the stock's up 120 percent year to date just over the last couple of months since they launched Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it used to be these companies that you thought of like on life support that they'd go and try and prop up. These are like companies like Discovery. You've got rocket companies that they're now going after and, and, and propping not going after, I shouldn't say, that they're now attracted to and, and bidding up those companies. And it just it, it boggles the mind. You know, it, it could be just about any company at this point. It could. And it, it, we talked about AMC before. I guess there's a different reason. A, it, AMC Networks for a while, some, they thought some people were confusing it with the theater chain, but not necessarily. But mm-hmm. I think it's it is kind of appropriate that one of the most famous shows is The Walking Dead. A lot of these people right. thought that's what these uh, <laughs> what these stocks were, and they, they're not. And, and as you know, they, the dead can come back to life. If you've seen any of uh, of that uh, that long running great show uh, that's been on, it kind of for me jumped the shark, but we still watch it in, in my house. But AMC and Discovery, yeah. in addition, and GameStop up another twenty something points a day. So I'm going to do my own little bug. I'm going to do that, you know. Uh, Dow, NASDAQ, 10-year, Bitcoin, and GameStop. That's just, you know, and then we really, we can just move on to whatever else we want to do after we cover those most important data points. Right. How far we have come from when Alan Greenspan told us we should be putting the 10-year up more frequently. That was the only number he really cared about. It was was boring for two years. Now it's back uh, where we we watch it. Now we matter. Yeah. Yeah, now it matters. Right. I'm worried about Major Biden. Also, Ryan Collins back in the... What happened to Major Biden? Uh, I'm sorry? Major Biden. Did you guys see this? I'm sorry. You no, guys what Major Biden got sent home. Major Biden got sent home to Delaware. He was too aggressive at the White House. Oh, and the I, dog. It, yeah. Oh, the yeah. dog? Major Biden. Yeah, the dog got sent home. Oh, I was he's about, such I was a pretty about dog. That. He's a, I love both of those German shepherds. They're my favorite Bidens. I love them both. And, and uh, Well, I like all Bidens, but... Uh, but you like your said, dogs better than people too, so. I no doubt, but but I did think yeah. my of my male dog in, in like a public setting. No, 
no, no. There might be, uh, yeah, I can see how that might be. And <laughs> I can't even imagine. But, uh, yeah, Poor send puppy. home. Send home. Anyway, it's trending on Twitter. Sorry. Mm. Go ahead. No, I, I understand. You've been following that story closely. Uh, we should mention Ryan Cohen is back in the spotlight this week after GameStop naming him to lead the company's e-commerce transformation. That stock rallied more than 40 percent yesterday, and it's up once again this morning. Joining us right now is Sarah Needleman. She's a reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Also, Nigel Vaz, who's the CEO of digital consultancy, publicist Sapient. Um, Sarah, I'll start with you on this just to kind of run this through. This seemed like an impossible task, the idea that you would take a company that we were kind of writing off as blockbuster and that it would be able to transform itself into Netflix. But when you have Ryan Cohen involved, and by the way, he's put his money where his mouth is. I think he owns 13 percent of the company now. People are starting to say, is this possible? What do you think? Well, Ryan is uh, the person behind uh, Chewy, the online pet retailer. That was a pretty successful company that he built up and sold. And uh, he has a vision that people, uh, at least some people think, could work. And certainly it makes sense that uh, he wants to take this company and modernize it by making it more uh, tech-centric than the bricks-and-mortar-centric model it's uh, had for the past three or so decades. Nigel, this is no small task, though. The idea of doing something like this when you already have so many big players, let's say the console makers like a Microsoft and a Sony that are so directly involved in downloading games at this point. You have mobile games that are out there and they take up about even though the apps are free, you know, people spend money on those things to get some of the digital tokens that they have. That takes up half of all spending on gaming right now. What, what's left? It seems like this is a pretty tough uphill slog. I think when you think about gaming, though, Becky, right, we're just at the infancy of where gaming is going. And most gaming that comes from individual companies are restricted to their platforms. What GameStop allows gamers to do is look across gaming companies, right? They've got audiences that play PlayStation, Xbox, all of these different games. And when you think about where we are, we're at the infancy of a market that's about to start to get into digital content, real community experiences, esports is picking up in a big way, streaming services. So, you know, my thing about digital transformations is they're kind of like a little bit like an iceberg. You know, what the customer sees is important, but what you have to do underneath that organization to kind of prop up the, the bit that's above the surface is critical. And what I think Ryan and the team at GameStop are doing is basically saying, we got a long way to go to just fix the basics. If we can get things like e-commerce working for us, if we can get collect in-store, if we can get communities going, if we can get more digital content engagement, certainly a long way to go, but I definitely think that there's a lot of room for them to grow from where they've been and, and are today. Nigel, that's a whole lot of ifs. And when you say they have this customer, how many customers do they actually have and how tight of a hold do they have on them? Well, I think you can look at, you know, I'd say, you know, not justifying necessarily what the stock's doing, right? But just thinking about the strategy of the company more broadly, as you said, they've built businesses like Chewy, you know, this this team. And they understand that, you know, while the economic moat is what you tend to focus on, right, which is effectively the kind of famous Buffett principle of all of the traditional sources of value. My sense is now if a business can actually start to figure out how to, you know, focus on the experience, really bring some engineering capability, get new products and services out there, use data to constantly iterate on the business. There is no reason why a Disney who many people have written off it, you know, can't rival a Netflix, right? And and I feel like that is the journey that they're on. I mean, it's a long road, like you said, and there's lots of ifs, but certainly something that I think is a viable proposition. 
Hey, Sarah, when you look at this, I mean, honestly, this is something I would have laughed about three weeks ago. Maybe it makes a little more sense now, but you talk to a lot of people about this. What's your take on it all? Well, uh, the video game industry has been growing by leaps and bounds for um, the past several years, and certainly the pandemic has uh, given a major lift. And so um, uh, the publishers are doing quite well. Uh, but there are a lot of ifs because uh, this is a, the digital download market is already well established by the console makers. And even on the PC side, you have uh, services like Steam uh, that are really entrenched and have been around a long time. So it is really quite the uphill battle, despite the fact that this is a massive uh, and growing industry. Uh, I think that GameStop, if Esports is is one avenue they could use because they do have a large retail footprint and they could potentially do some sort of a little league uh, type situation in their stores. But of course, uh, the pandemic uh, ha- has made that very, very difficult. If the pandemic wasn't a factor, we might be having a different conversation about uh, taking advantage of that retail space. And so um, uh, I think the the ifs are, are, are big ifs and it will take a lot of time and capital uh, for uh, the company to even have a, a shot at competing with all these entrenched players. Um, but Mr. Cohen, of, of all people, is is probably one of the best ones out there to uh, take on this task. He certainly has the passion for it, and he has a financial incentive for it. Uh, but it will take time. I, I don't think we're going to see a change overnight, uh, certainly not as fast as uh, the way the stock has been moving. Right. So, Nigel, my question to you is, let, let's look, though, at the market value, because right now we're at about a $13 billion company. What do you think actually a realistic value for the company could be even in success? And let's say, and, and success being, let's say two years out from now, even yeah, three years out from now. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I think, you know, all of you from a financial perspective are probably much better to opine on, on the, the value of the company. Right? When I, when I look at the upside that they're playing for, certainly the valuation has led that pretty significantly as I think we've been talking about, uh, over the course of this conversation. The, the orientation I'm looking at this from is where is this business today and what kind of upside do they actually have in terms of moving the needle from where they are to where they could be? And frankly, we've seen a lot of stocks out there and, you know, we can name a bunch that, you know, you all were just talking about earlier in the show that have all, you know, had their stock prices lead significantly the actual performance of the business, right? I mean, you know, just looking at the last year, Tesla being the most kind of obvious example of that, right? And and I and I wouldn't say that, you know, we're comparing GameStop to any of those, but when I look at what the business strategy is, what they're talking about, what they haven't been doing for so long and what they're going to focus on now, I feel like the case for uh, for significant upside as they continue to execute and build up their strategy is is definitely there. Uh-huh. Nigel, Sarah, I want to thank you guys both for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Great, great to be on. Next on Squawk Pod, socially distanced, what? the ad campaign that threw pandemic norms right out of the window. CEO of Suit Supply, Foca Dijon. Everybody wants to know about the photo shoot. There's a lot of drool involved here. This is actually what it looked like when they came back together. It's not staged. This is real. And that's what happened. That, that's, that's what happened. That's, that's cool. That's, I mean, it happens. I have two German shepherds and it happened. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Welcome back to Squawk. Uh, We have some new numbers on how Americans feel about the pandemic and reopening. Exclusive CNBC morning consult poll commissioned over the last week asked people if it's safe for the U.S. to start reopening. 15% said very safe. 39% said somewhat safe. 32% said not very safe. And 14% said not safe at all. When asked if people return to a normal routine after the pandemic, 21% said yes. 32% said mostly, 35% said no, and 12% said they don't know. Well, given all that, uh, we're going to talk right now about a new ad campaign envisioning life post-pandemic. It went viral for its graphic images, the retailer behind the ads. He's a new normal that's all about getting close again. CEO of Suit Supply, uh, Foka de Young, joins us right now to discuss the campaign, the state of retail uh, in a post-vaccine world. It's great to see you. We've been talking about this ad campaign uh, for about a week since it showed up in my inbox. I own a bunch of your ties, and uh, I tweeted it out, and uh, three and a half or some odd million uh, impressions later, here we are. So tell us about this campaign. We have people drooling on top of each other, uh, models literally bunched up together. Um, is, this, is this the post-pandemic world that we're all... Uh, you should be hoping for. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having me. Uh, well, I think uh, it's this campaign is about getting close again, and it's about a, I think, an optimistic look at the world, right? Uh, so uh, I, I don't say uh, that I'm not expecting that the world is going to go into a big uh, orgy, <laughs> but I do think, and I do hope that we're going to get into this you know, uh, where we're ever all talking about these roaring 20s. And this is a little bit of a metaphor of the, the pent-up energy that we're feeling. Have you been surprised by the reaction? I mean, you had people on one end say, sign me up. That's the, you know, that's exactly what they want. And other people saying this is the grossest thing in the whole world. And others who say, was this what kissing was supposed to be before the pandemic uh, that we, we didn't know? So what's the reaction been on your end? Has it, has it actually impacted the business? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's great if people start engaging with an ad campaign, right? We've seen uh, things happening on social, people creating memes with it. Uh, and of, of course, I think it's, it's part of it that we were one of the ad campaigns that was, I think, one of the first ones that instead of, uh, sending out a message of we're all in this together and it's uh, it's all going to end, etc. Finally, sending out a message of the new normal and what it's going to look 
at least connecting to that energy. So I also think that made it stand out more than uh, it would otherwise have. Tell us, everybody wants to know about the photo shoot. Did you have to get the models tested? How do they agree to do this? Were they, were they happy? I mean, there's a lot of drool involved here. So that's a good question because I think what happened is that uh, Robin, our main model, the male model is just there, is, uh, was actually shooting with us in Amsterdam and his girlfriend um, was in New York. So we arranged for them to get back together and did all the paperwork and uh, they had the quarantine, et cetera. And this is actually what it looked like when they came back together. It's not staged. This is real. Okay, so, so the females, though, I should tell you, the females in my life are upset mm-hmm. about one thing. You guys sell suits for women, and they want to know why the female models are not wearing suits. That's a good question. Well, we actually, um, during the pandemic, uh, stopped selling suits uh, for women. So we're, we're focusing on, on men's clothing only now. Uh, so that's why. So are you, you're, you're out of the, the, the suit business for, for, for women going forward, or is, is this just a temporary pause? No, we're, we're out of that going forward. I think we have decided, I mean, during a pandemic and then as a business, you're, you're making, of course, and we also, we're a private company, uh, although we're all over the world, uh, we had to make some choices of going forward of where we want to be in. And, uh, and so this, this is a moment where you have to focus. Can I ask you about what you think we're all going to wear when this is over? You're wearing a, a, a blazer right now and, and a turtleneck. Um, I'm mm-hmm. wearing basically what, I, what I've always worn, but, but here we are on TV. What do you think people yeah. are going to do when this is all over? Some people say that, you know, everyone's going to wear sneakers and it's going to go down, be, become very casual. Then there's a whole other view that people are going to do what they're calling peacocking. Once everybody get, gets out, everybody's going to dress up to the nines. Yeah, I, I think, and what we're seeing right now, and this is, I mean, because when we went into this pandemic, obviously we, it, it's, it scared us because there was all talk about we're not going to go back to the office. Everybody's going to live this whole digital life. And, and we're, as a business, uh, rely on people going out, having dates, having going to restaurants, doing meetings. So for us, those demand streams are, are, are extremely important. And... Uh, but we quickly saw in, for instance, because we're in China, we're in the Korea, we're in Australia, we're all over Europe. Uh, we quickly saw how this plane was going to land, that when stuff opened up again, people were actually uh, dressing up more than before. I mean, our business in Asia is, is on fire at the moment. So that, that gave us a good proxy of what it's going to look like. And I think people have connected to their, you know, sweatpants, their Netflix numbers now for a long time. And that's, uh, and, and I think for most people, this wasn't the most happiest time in their life. Um, so I'm pretty confident. But, and, and we have proxies also, that the pendulum oh, you is going to give swing. us some fashion advice then for, for myself and for Joe. Are we going to get to where, do we wear sneakers with suits going forward? And Joe, do you think you can pull, do you, can we pull off this turtleneck situation with a blazer? Instead of the tie, is that yes? Is that a future thing for us? We can definitely do that. We can definitely do that. And I have had that hairstyle that Folka has uh, in the past. <laughs> I, I don't think I can. 
I can, that's like a, something about Mary type uh, deal. I don't think I can pass that uh, off right right away. But uh, yeah, we can do. You can definitely do the turtleneck. I think, right, Sork? You do that now. Turtleneck. Don't, don't, don't act like you oh. don't. I know you do. I know you do in certain occasions. Turtleneck blazer. I am. I haven't. I'm going to try it. On, we'll try it on the show. I've never done a turtleneck with a, with a blazer, but I need to. Seems hey, like he's, guy, he's pulling I, it out I, very well. So uh, they get back together. You you reunite them, which is really nice. And that's what happened. That that's that's what ha- that's that's cool. That's I mean, it happens. With, I have two German shepherds, and it happens. I they haven't seen me in a while, and that's the first thing that happens. But uh, the male and the female, in fact. But uh, I didn't know that that was. Uh, I I'm, I don't know. I'm a little. I'm too tame. I think I got to talk to my wife about uh, about things. Uh, that's right. Get vaccinated. Huh? I'm va- I, get I've been back. vaccinated. That's that's not the problem. That is, okay. <laughs> that's not the problem. Foka, <laughs> thank you. We appreciate Welcome. it. Welcome, great Thanks being for here. the fashion advice. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you haven't seen this viral <laughs> suit supply ad campaign, give it a Google. Fair warning, it is not safe for work, as they say. But I don't know about work from home. That's a wrap on Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And subscribe to Squawk Pod to get us every day on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.